Um, my name is Cam Stewart. Really excited to um, share this evening. If I don't, if I haven't met you before, come say hi. Um, and I, I get the privilege to serve on the stewardship team here at Hope Church, and then uh, occasionally get to speak. And it's a it's a blessing uh, to study God's word with you guys together. That's what we're going to do tonight. Um, and I'm really excited. Tonight's a familiar passage. Raise your hand if at any point, uh, if you've been coming to Hope Church for a little bit, you had an alarm set for 9.38. Yes. Come on. How many people still have that alarm set? Ryan. Winner. Okay, Sarah too. Okay, cool. Um, that's awesome. So th- tonight's passage is the reason we did that. Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. Um, if you don't remember why you had that alarm, that's it. And we're going to study it tonight. It's a, it was a reminder to pray to the Lord of the harvest, and that's what we're going to speak on tonight. Um, when I was on staff with a ministry called Young Life, we had to submit a Matthew 9, 38 list of people we were praying for um, to go out into the harvest. So again, familiar passage, um, and it's a shorter passage tonight. It's Matthew 9. We'll be in Matthew 9 if you want to flip open your Bible or swipe there on your phone, starting in verse 35 um, to 38. So we're going to study it together, um, and then we're going to have some application uh, together. And so I'm going to read the whole chunk of text that we're going to be studying this evening, and then say a prayer, and then we'll jump in. So Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus, thank you for your word. God, thank you for this church and this community of people. God, thank you that we get to open your word every Saturday night, study it together. God, I pray uh, that it is your word that is remembered. God, that your word would go deep into our heart and into our soul, and that we would leave here changed. God, that your Holy Spirit would challenge us, would encourage us, would change us, would shape us, would mold us to be uh, the laborers in the harvest the workers in the harvest. So God, we just pray for a blessing over our time. I pray for a blessing over these friends. And I just pray that you would meet us individually, uniquely, how every person in here needs it. God, you're the only one that knows that. And I just pray that you would meet each and every person in here in a unique way through your Holy Spirit. And so we give you this time. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're, um, we are in the midst of week 100 of the Matthew sermon series. I'm not sure what it is. Um, and we'll be in it for quite a bit because we're in Matthew chapter 9 and there's more than nine chapters. Um, spo- I won't give you the spoiler alert, but there are more than nine. Um, and it's co- we're calling it Your Kingdom Come. And uh, not, not Our Kingdom Come, not... Uh, let's build a kingdom together. It's Your Kingdom Come, talking about um, referencing in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus tells us how to pray and says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've been talking about this idea of the kingdom. And it's, highlighted, it's been highlighted in every passage of scripture that we have looked at, even as small as these 35, 36, 37, 34 verses. 
I was about to say three, that's wrong. Four verses. It's highlighted here. It's highlighted in all of Matthew. And it's highlighted really in the, to- the totality of Scripture. That it is, God- it is all about God's kingdom. And there's three uh, points that we've talked about every week and have been on display every week. They will continue to be on display in this passage tonight. The first one is Jesus is Lord. Very simple, very, very simple sentence. That Jesus is Lord. That, that a kingdom has a king. And his name is Jesus, right? The kingdom of God, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of all. There there is no uh, power or authority on this earth that Jesus is not Lord over. That he's Lord over this earth, that he's Lord over heaven, and that the kingdom in heaven is coming to the kingdom, uh, that that the kingdom of God is coming here to earth. That Jesus is Lord. The second one is that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And um, Rob made a great point last week. And uh, if you have not checked out the podcast, hopechurchsc.com slash messages. There it is. Um, check out the podcast. They've been, they've been awesome. But um, that, that God's kingdom is not necessarily upside down, right? The way that we view God's kingdom is upside down. We are in the upside down part. God's kingdom is the right way up. But, but it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to the way that people and the way that our, our sinful humans build a kingdom. That God's kingdom is completely, 180 flipped on its head compared to the kingdom that we experience here in the world. To just give you an example, Jesus says, for whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Right? That doesn't make sense. That's not what, what is being preached in most places in this world. Right? It's all about you. Do things that, that, that further you and your career and your, your, your life and your family. And God says, no, no, no. As, as we serve, as we pour ourselves out, as we seek to lose our life for the sake of the gospel, that we will find it. And then the third one is, Jesus is the answer. This one makes me laugh a little bit. I, um, I was in high school ministry for a long time, and um, when I would teach Bible studies and ask a question that was maybe over some people's heads, maybe you've experienced this in a Bible study, and then people, after the silence, they'll just say, Jesus? <laughs> that, which is true, right? Like, almost any question you ask, Jesus is the answer. But also... It's bigger than that. It's, we're not just talking about Bible study answers. We're talking about that Jesus is the answer to all of the questions, all of the longings of our heart, all of the, the, the passions, all of our motivations, that Jesus is the actual answer, that we fill, we try to fill that fill-in-the-blank is the answer, and they all fall short, that Jesus is the answer of every question. Keep those in mind as we look at this passage, because all three of those help shape and give context for these four verses. And um, again, as we've been working through Matthew, um, this, it, looking at the passage in context, is tons and tons of miracles. Tons of these amazing miracles that Jesus, Jesus is kind of setting himself up. That first point, Jesus is Lord. He's kind of saying, hey, I, I, am, I am the Son of God. Look at these things I'm doing. Right? He's healing paralyzed people. He's hearing, healing blind people. And he's saying, I, I am the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. Look at these healings. And then we get this, this passage towards the end uh, of this run of miracles. So we're going to work verse by verse, uh, starting in verse 35. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. I love that it said all the towns and the villages. Every t- that's, that's all of them. Right? If you look at the Greek word of all, that is 
All of them. And so he, he's going through all of the towns and villages, and then every disease and sickness. So it's not just like some, it's not just the ones that we read about in uh, pre preceding in Matthew 9, Matthew 8. It's all of them. And it says he's doing three things. It says he's teaching in the synagogues, he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and he is healing every disease and sickness. And as Jesus, as you see in his interactions with people and his interactions with um, the crowds, there is always a verbal proclamation of the gospel. That um, maybe you've heard the, the saying, preach the gospel always, use words when necessary. I've heard lots of people rant against that. Um, but, but it seems to be that Jesus, the necessary part, words were always necessary. That there is a proclaiming of the gospel that comes as Jesus is sharing this good news of the kingdom. It doesn't say that Jesus was just really nice and hoped that someone asked him a question. It always came with him speaking truth. He did love people. He did do things non-verbally, obviously, but also it came with proclamation of the gospel. The second part, the good news of the kingdom. I love that it says the good news of the kingdom. The good news translated the gospel. It's not just the sin and the cross. That's what, that's what I think of when I hear the word gospel, is that we have sin. Jesus died on the cross, therefore we are saved. That is true. All of that is true. But it is more than that. The kingdom of God is the creation of the world was perfect. Sin entered. And ever since then, God is bringing his people back, that he is restoring, redeeming through the cross, that he is redeeming and restoring his people. And so there's this totality of good news that he is restoring us and restoring the people that we are sharing the gospel with to the life that they were created to live. And then the third thing is that he is healing. And uh, I don't know if you're anything like me. I know I am. Um, <laughs> thank you for laughing at that. That's a terrible joke. Um, but uh, when I read about the healings in the New Testament, or even in the Old Testament, they're easy to gloss over, right? Thankfully, by the blessings of God, I, my legs work. Um, I'm not blind. And so it seems like a lot of these miracles is like, oh yeah, he healed, he healed people that, were, um, that, that had this physical ailment. Um, and as I was studying and reading some commentaries, that Greek word there for healing is, I'm going to butcher this, therapeuo. It's where, it's where we get the word therapeutic. And uh, the commentator, uh, Frederick Dale Bruner is the guy's name, he said, all human, all, all human pain is missional material. And you get this idea that, that the gospel is not just healing physical needs, but the gospel of the kingdom takes any pain that we experience and brings therapy to it, brings this therapeutic love, compassion, forgiveness. So it's not just, hey, this guy's legs work. That, that is true. That can happen. We can pray that God would heal physical ailments, but also the brokenness that we experience inside, the hurt, the pain, the despair, the loneliness, whatever that is, that the gospel can bring healing, can bring therapy to those things. And just, I love in this passage that Jesus, up until this point, is just showing us what it means to follow after him. He is doing the work. He is going into the towns and villages. He's proclaiming the good news. He is bringing healing. He is bringing the kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He is showing us how to do that. And then later, again, spoiler alert, fast forward, Matthew 28, he says, go. 
And now you do it. You do those things. You do the things that you already saw me doing. Matthew chapter 9. He probably wouldn't have said that. But when we went, went out into every town and every village and healed all those people, that's what you get to do. That's what I'm calling you to do. That he does it and then invites us and invites the disciples to do it with him. Verse 36, moving on, he says, uh, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Um, I got to the privilege of when I was on, uh, in full-time ministry, got to take some seminary classes, and we took a seminary class um, on the Gospels, and I had this professor talk about this, that, uh, the Greek word for the compassion there. It's called splachnitsa or splachnitsamai, which just sounds cool. I, I'm probably saying that one wrong too, but he just yelled it for like 10 minutes. He's like, splachnitsamai! So that's what I, th- I think of every time. But that's what this word means. Like there's a, it means... <laughs> Literally translated, it's like to feel it in the bowels of your stomach. That, that Jesus led with such love and compassion and empathy for the people that his first response is that he, act, he felt the hurt. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Is that like you hurt when someone else hurts in, in your stomach. Like you get that sick feeling in your stomach. That's how Jesus, when he looks at a, a crowd of people who are lacking purpose, who are harassed and helpless, that's his first response. And that feeling is the heart of the mission of God. What I love about God is, it, lots of things, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to decide to do that. Right? God is love. He doesn't make a decision, hey, today I'm going to be compassionate towards the helpless and the harassed. That that, that, that is his driving force. That he sees us as sheep without a shepherd, and he literally feels our hurt, our pain, our lack of purpose, our hopelessness, our despair, and he longs to do something about it. He longs to bring the kingdom, to bring that therapy, to bring that healing that the gospel brings into those situations. Um, when, when it says that the, the group or the, the crowd was harassed and helpless, uh, kind of just looked over a bunch of different translations to see what else those words were translated. And the list is uh, cast down, dejected, mangled, despair, walking with difficulty, and barely making it. Um, that last one kind of rung true, <laughs> rung true for me. Um, some, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a little bit like we're just going through the motions, right? We're just going from one thing to the other. We're just barely making it. There's not a, t- a lot of times where I would describe myself or, or my day as, as harassed or helpless, but barely making it, and that Jesus sees that and his first response is compassion. The mission, the kingdom work, the good news, the gospel, is brought out of a deep love of Jesus. That God is crazy about you. That he loves you, and he doesn't just love you, he actually likes you. And he wants to be with you. And that, that's that compassion, that's the mission of God, that he, he longs to be with us so much that he left heaven put on human form, lived the perfect life, died the death that we deserve, and then conquered death and rose again to live forever so that we could be with him. And so, not only so that we could be with him and have victory over death, but also that we could be with him in the now and experience that healing of the gospel and experience of that kingdom of heaven, 
his kingdom come. Verse 37, he says, um, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus realizes um, that the harvest is big, but the harvest is huge. And um, what I love about the Bible is we could read that at any point, and it's true. Right? This is not one of those passages that's like, well, that was back then. The harvest is not that plentiful. No, no, no. The harvest is plentiful. I don't know if you've met people. <laughs> the harvest is plentiful. And also, I don't know if you've met people, but there are a few workers. <laughs> Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That, that mission, that the mission of God, that kingdom work is launched through prayer. We see it here in Jesus' declaration. You'll see it in Acts. When we get there, the disciples kind of get together and pray. Holy Spirit comes down, and then the early church is born. And um, I did not do an exhaustive study or list, but I would imagine every church plant, every ministry was birthed out of prayer. Hopefully. <laughs> that, um, like I said before, I, I worked for a ministry called Young Life, and uh, Young Life started in 1941. And um, this guy by the name of Jim Rayburn, he went to go work for a church, and uh, he, he was doing his internship in um, seminary, and he walked into the church, and the pastor, he said, what would you like me to do? And the pastor said, um, I'll take care of the people who are coming to our church. You go across the street and get some more. And across the street was Gainesville High School in Gainesville, Texas, and that's how the idea of uh, Young Life is a ministry to high school and middle school students. That's how it started. He just started to go across the street, meet kids. And, and tell them about Jesus through, through a relationship. And um, listening to him talk about that, about the, those early years of Young Life, is he, he would always say, Young Life didn't start in 1941. Young Life started in 1937 when this group of elderly women who lived across the street of Gainesville, Texas, they'd get together every Monday morning and get on their knees in the living room and pray. And that, that prayer is the driving force of ministry. Of even, even your kingdom come, right? That's in the midst of Jesus saying, this is how you should pray. That we would pray, and then that we would act together. This is the entirety of sharing the gospel. Right? In, this, in this passage is the entirety of sharing the gospel. There's prayer, and then also there is action. <laughs> that Jesus is going and sharing with people and healing things. It would not make sense if, it, if Jesus said, pray, and then he'd just sit, sit in their, their house and like, let's just teach, let's just talk about it, let's just stay here, let's not go out to the villages and the cities and the synagogues, let's just pray. We see this coupling of prayer and action. Um, we, at our church, we've got a Pi Squared card. Check it. It's cool, right? Pray, invest, invite. Um, we, yeah, right there. Look at that. There's a slide. Pray, invest, invite. That, um, that ideally, that just as, as Jesus is commanding us here in this passage, that we would pray. We would pray for people. That we would pray for people to go out into the harvest. That we would pray for the actual harvest. That we would pray for ourselves. That we would pray for our friends. That we would pray earnestly for everything about our life. And that we wouldn't just stop at prayer. That we would invest in people. That we would develop relationships the same thing Jesus did that is doing in this passage with the disciples and the people in the synagogues 
and the people in the towns and the villages. And that third part is inviting, that we would invite people in, that we would invite people into deeper conversation, that we would invite people into a relationship with Jesus, that we would invite people into dinner in our homes or invite people to church. Pray, invest, invite. Uh, another quote I came across as, we, as I was studying for this uh, by Wayne Grudem, who wrote a book, a bunch of books, but, but Systematic Theology, it says this, action without prayer is arrogance. Prayer without action is hypocrisy. Action without prayer is arrogance. Prayer without action is hypocrisy. In the pre-service, I used the example of the grocery giveaway, which, if you're not familiar with that, it's pretty hard to understand. We give away groceries um, to anyone who comes, <laughs> comes in the parking lot. But action without prayer is arrogance. It would make no sense for us to just do that without prayer. I mean, you, you can do that and you can help people. That's awesome. But in terms of a kingdom work, in, teams, in terms of God working in their life and in our lives and in, in the Holy Spirit and what it means to serve, that would make no sense. In the same way, it would not make sense for us to sit here in a church and say, God, I really just hope you pray, or we just pray and ask that you would feed people who need groceries and just sit here and just pray that all day. That would make no sense because we can actually do something about that. Action without prayer is arrogance. Prayer without action is hypocrisy. That's why, that's why it's not a, a P card. It does not just say to pray for these people, that you would actually invest and invite them. Um, as, a, as a point of application, we're going to do just something a little bit different, um, and there's a potential it gets a little bit awkward, but that's okay. We're going we're gonna to just push through it together. Um, I've, got, I've got some slides. Um, yep, thank you. And we're just going to take some time to pray as a church because um, it, feels, it would feel weird to preach a sermon where... Jesus himself says, ask the Lord of the harvest, or ask me, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field, and not actually do that. So we're going to do that. And so I've broken, uh, we've broken it up into four, look, if you can't read that, you can just pray. It'll be fine. God will, God will hear you. Uh, but our fir this first one, just you can take a little glance at it, is our partners. Those are people that, uh, those are ministries that we partner with at Hope Church. Great idea. Take a pic, zoom in. iPhones are magical. Um, the next one is uh, churches in the area. Again, if you can't read that, you probably passed like 15 churches on the way here. Just pray for them too. Um, but these are, just, these are churches that we have just a, a really great relationship with in our local area. Um, and they have laborers. They have, they have laborers that are going and they have people in their church that need to be laborers or workers into the harvest. And so we're going to pray for them. Um, the next slide is pray for our neighbors, wherever you live, learn, work, and play, whatever that means for you. So your street, your community group, your workplace, or your school. Again, that, you would, that we would lift up the people who are already doing it, being the laborers, the workers, um, and then that we would ask for more, because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. And the last one is, yeah, the labor, pray for the laborers, that you and I in this church are called to be workers into the harvest, and so that we would rise up, that we would be strengthened, that we would continue to go out and to do the things that are outlined in this passage. So um, I'm going to 
open us up in prayer. And uh, we're just going to be silent for a little bit and pray. Um, if you feel led and want to pray out loud, go for it. That happened in the pre-service, and it was pretty awesome. Um, so we're just going to spend maybe a minute or two on each slide, and, um, and then, we'll, then we'll wrap up with some application. So I'll open us in prayer, and then we'll be silent. Jesus, thank you for this church and for these friends. God, thank you um, just for how simple you make things sometimes. And um, God, thank you for the ability to be obedient. And so now we are just going to take some time and ask you to send out workers into our harvest. And so uh, first we just want to lift up our partners, our ministry partners. God, that you would bless them, that you would continue to encourage their existing workers, and that you would give them more workers to send out into the harvest. Jesus, next, um, we just want to lift up the, the capital C church, your body of believers here in this area. Again, God, we thank you for the impact that you have done through these churches, God, that, again, that these churches all would have stories upon stories of how they've experienced your kingdom coming here to Somerville and Charleston. And, God, we just ask, again, we ask for more. We ask for more uh, workers into the fields, and we ask that you would strengthen the workers that these churches have. Jesus, thank you uh, for placing each and every one of us in specific spheres of influence, whether it's where we work, go to school, or who we hang out with, or where we live. And we just pray, again, God, that you would send workers into those areas, that we would, not only would we would be the workers, but that you would send more workers to those areas. Lastly, Jesus, we just want to pray for um, the people in this room and for Hope Church. God, thank you that, that the Christian life, that uh, you call each and every one of us to be a worker into your harvest. So God, I just pray that, um, that right now that, that you would um, strengthen us and that you would encourage us, um, God, that we would be a church and a people um, that people would notice in the harvest, that we would be in the harvest. Jesus, we just, we ask, we pray that, that you would bless each and every one of those ministries and every ministry uh, that was brought to mind, every church, every area of, this, of the low country that was thought of where we live, learn, work, and play. God, just pray that, that we would have your eyes to see those places, that we would be a people that live on mission, and that we would bring the gospel of the kingdom, the healing of the kingdom with us wherever we go. And so we just thank you for this time and the invitation to ask you for those things. So let me pray. Amen. Okay, um, wrapping up here. Application time. Number one. 938, start it back up. If you turn that 
Actually, I'm going to do it right now. Probably can't see that. 9.38, harvest is plentiful, workers are few. It feels so terrible that I turned that off. But 9.38 a.m. or p.m. or both, um, just pray. Just pray. Again, it's, it's pretty amazing that the God of the universe says, ask. <laughs> and I don't do it. Maybe you guys already do this a ton, and you already ask him for that. I don't want to speak for you, but I forget a lot to pray. And so that's, a, that's an easy reminder. Um, and then as we look at this passage and think about, okay, how, besides just praying, how do we apply this to our life? And I love just looking at the example that Jesus gives, and then what would that look like if I actually did those things? And so the first one is he saw the people. He actually saw the people. How, how are we viewing the people in our lives? Like as you walk up to people, as you interact with people, how do we, how do we actually see them? Do, are we living in such a, a, a pace that we just look past people, that we don't actually see what's going on in their life? Like he saw them enough to realize that they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So how, how do we see people? What would it look like? What would our days have to look like so that we could actually see people with the eyes of Jesus? Uh, my, my old boss, um, when I worked for Young Life, uh, gave this analogy once, and I think it's, I think it's incredible, is, is as you're about to have a conversation with someone, any interaction, um, say I'm about to have a, a chat with Rob, and just as I'm about to say something to Rob, I could just get a whisper from Jesus and him saying, oh man, I am so excited you get to interact with Rob. I love him so much. I love him so much that I died for him, that he's my beloved. Now go ahead, what were you gonna say to him? Go ahead, right, like if we, could, if we could somehow transform our minds, which we've talked about all through the summer and even now with the gospel, if we could transform, be transformed by the renewing of our minds to realize that we, C.S. Lewis quote, that we have never met a mere mortal, that every person is created by God in God's image. And if we could remember that, I think we would begin to see people a little bit more. That we'd be able to see their pain, see their success, see their blessings, see their helplessness. So, so what would our days look like? What would, our, what would our life look like if we actually took time to see people. And the second thing is, uh, what, what is our first reaction when we see people who are, who are harassed, helpless, barely making it, whatever of those um, adjectives stood out to you, in despair, walking with difficulty? What is our first emotion? Is it judgment? Just me, probably? Okay, you guys are all great. Um, is it judgment? Is it, you know, oh, they probably did something wrong, or is it, is it just completely overlooking them? Or is it compassion? Is it that, that guttural, in our bowels, compassion? Again, what, what would our days have to look like? like that, we can't just turn that switch on. We can't just think, hey, today I'm going to be compassionate. That'll last for 20 to 30 seconds, I think. Um, I timed it. And if, um, <laughs> but if, if we are daily spending time with Jesus, daily in prayer with Jesus, daily letting the Holy Spirit transform our life, that compassion of Jesus starts to overflow. That ability to see people through Jesus' eyes starts 
to overflow? What would our days look like? And I don't know about you, but that sounds way more of an exciting life to me to actually do that than to just go through the motions, than to just barely make it, than to just put your head down and not actually talk to people or interact. And it should not come as a surprise or a shock because Jesus promises in John 10, John 10, 10, life to the full. And so everything that he calls us to do is actually the life that we are created to live and the best possible way to live life. And so actually seeing people, actually having compassion on people, actually praying that God would do something and stepping into that is the best possible way to live life. So hopefully, my hope tonight is one that you would just be reminded that there are things that we need to be praying for. <laughs> that Jesus commands us and asks us to do it. He's telling the disciples, hey, there's a ton of people out here. Ask the Lord of the Harvest for more workers. So we can do that. But also, that we would be encouraged by this example of Jesus. That we'd be reminded that this is the way to live life. That we could see people. That we could have compassion for them. That we could pray for people. Let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. God, I pray um, that your, again, God, that your Holy Spirit would convict and would challenge each and every one of us in a unique way. God, that, that our, because of your word and because of your goodness and because of how much you love us, that our Sundays and our Mondays and our Wednesdays and the rest of our week would look different. That people, we would see them in a different way. That we would react to them in a different way. That we would start to have our interactions with people mimic the way that your interactions with people looked. And God, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to do that because there's no other way for it to do it. And I pray that this is not just hey, I need to do better and I need to be nicer to people, but that actually it would come from our heart and from our soul, deep down, from your spirit. God, that we would see people, that we'd have compassion on them, and that we would pray for them. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.